Hi, good evening. Welcome to Johnny's Juke Joint. It's uh, Friday, June 11th, 2021, I believe. And uh, my special guest this evening is a great friend of mine and a great uh, trombone player and a trombone player with the Calgary Jazz Orchestra, Mr. Brian Wally. How you doing, Brian? Hey, Johnny. Great. Whoa, you look good. <laughs> You're looking good. Holy smokes. Yeah, long time um, no see. Yeah. It's been too long, man. I I, uh, I think the last time we played together was February 2020. Yeah. Calgary Jazz Orchestra's uh, Art of Romance, Art of Soul show. Yeah, that was it. I think that was it, yeah. There was a couple of gigs after that, you know, with uh, three horn sections that got canceled. <laughs> yeah. Did, In short order. Did we do a Ray Charles... Uh, orchestra. I, I think we did one, and then the, the next one was done. It was just right. as the shutdown came up. So goodness. Um. So, where were you born? I'm right here in Calgary, Holy Cross Hospital. <laughs> Holy Cross. Batman. <laughs> and how old were you? <laughs> 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 okay, so you, uh, you, how old are you now? You're, oh, wait, that's that's rude. I can't ask that. How much do you weigh? No, um, <laughs> moving on. So, but you, you've been in the scene quite a while. You've been in the Calgary scene for quite a while, based in Calgary. Yeah, um, basically since high school. Since high school. Did you graduate? I did. Wow. That's good. Do most trombone players graduate? No. <laughs> It's optional, <laughs> and and uh, which leads me into the next question uh, that that is not on my list. But why do trombone players get all of the jokes and all rehearsals and all behind the scenes meanderings of of musicians? Why why do you think that is? I'm not sure. Maybe because we're the butt of so many jokes, you know. Just uh... yeah, but why? <laughs> what what caused it? What's the reason? Why does the stereotype exist? There's there's less banjo players to uh, joke about these days, I guess. <laughs> I guess that's one hundred percent true, isn't it? <laughs> oh man, so you're one, so you're just really one ring up the ladder from a banjo player. I think so. Okay, um, and you played, uh, so you played um, all through school. I did. And you've been, yeah, you've been on the scene for a long time. When did you? Uh, can we ask what year politely? Can we say like what year did you do your first professional gig? Uh, it'd be 1975. 1975. And what was it? Do you remember? I do. It was, um, well, the band nowadays is called Southern Stardust. But mm -hmm. in those days, it was still operated by a guy named Gordon Southern. There's just a bunch of nice guys who practiced in a basement for months and months and months. And in retrospect, when I look back at the, the quality and the tuning, and you know, it was, it was pretty abysmal, but I was pretty excited. <laughs> just... 16-year-old yeah. kid playing with these, you know, these older guys. Pretty cool. Yeah. And that band uh, that band is still around. There's some nice musicians. It's still around. Nice people in it. That's amazing. Yeah. There Actually, like a, those people in it, if you ask them who Gordon Southern was, wouldn't know. <laughs> no, because I, I, I think I've been, I've, I played with them once I was asked to play. It was, it was a, a last-minute thing when the new library opened downtown. Sure. We were playing... Um, at that new gorgeous new uh, Calgary Public Library uh, in the uh, Almirhead Big Band that was just put together for that event by Jazz YYC, yeah. and 
and I missed that. I got called, but I couldn't do it. Yeah, no, it was really fun. You should have been there. Um, and then we got, uh, and then uh, Kathy Van Lair, a great trombone player, who's who's played in the Calgary Jazz Orchestra a few Absolutely. times and with uh, with us there and she's played with my little big band a few times and great trouble player lovely lady she plays in that band that's one of her favorite bands to play in and she um uh she came up to me and said is there any chance you could come and play uh they because they were playing at the national music center like right next uh, right next door so that was uh that i got to play with them which was actually really fun and, and meet a lot of them that i hadn't met but okay so that was your first gig um who else? Okay, so so let's let's maybe do this chronologically because it's kind sure. of fun. So seventy five to nineteen eighty. Yeah. Name bands that you played with and players that you played with, especially if we might know them now. Well, right off the bat would be Al Muirhead. I mean, yeah. Uh, in the ninth grade, my band teacher at the time, a guy named uh, Doug Ward, who wound up in Red Deer, said, "Your kid, you know, shows some proficiency." Maybe you should get him a real trombone. And so we went to uh, arcade music in the Bay Parkade. And there were basically my parents were presented with two different kinds of trombones. One was a student horn and one was uh, a King 2B Liberty, which I still own. And uh, my parents went the extra 20 bucks and got me the pro horn. <laughs> awesome. So, yeah. So Al would have been uh, in there. I mean, and, uh, and for everyone listening, Al Muirhead owned uh, arcade music in Calgary, Edmonton, Regina, and Saskatoon. He did? Yeah. He was so cool. When I'd walk in, um, you know, he'd flash his, his uh, you know, 20-watt smile and pull a trombone off the wall and play me something. I'd go like, wow, man, listen to that guy play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, like, you know, Al and Eddie Morris and, you know, some of those older guys, Hank Zanbar and, and uh, in, in uh, university in uh, 1975, I guess, would have been 76. Uh, he moved back from Toronto, and that's Eric Friedenberg. Mm. He'd been living in Toronto, and he played in the, the Saturday morning jazz lab band at UFC. Uh, John Reed was in that band, Sandy Barter. Um, Sandy's per- living in Toronto now, I think. Yeah, yeah. He moved to Toronto before I met him, so I've never met him. We're, we're Facebook buddies, so you know we're like this. But um, but I've heard <laughs> some recordings of his playing, and he's an amazing player. Oh, he was he's a, was a gifted lead player. You know, just to, you know, it was time to move on. He could have moved wherever he wanted, and he made a great career in Toronto. Cool. I played tons of gigs with him um, at the Petroleum Club and other sort of three horn um, shows and. Uh, yeah, good player. Yeah, cool. so who else? Like John Reed, Ian Clayton, um, a guy named Tim McIntyre, Ross McIntyre's brother, mm-hmm. who lives in uh, L.A. now. Is um, he, he again say like like it, some some of these players I played with. I played with Eddie Morris. I played with uh, Hank Zambor. Um, yeah. I played with, uh, but but uh, uh, Tim McIntyre was he a drummer? He was a drummer. Okay. Yeah, he played in the uh, Saturday morning band too, which was run by a guy named uh, Ward Cole, which I've was, heard about too. Yeah, and didn't Ward he, Cole teach at the university? He did. He was a uh, department head, and okay. uh, he was came from University of Toronto, and was charged with basically starting a university program that would look like Humber College. So he got all these great jazz players to move to Calgary, and uh, 
one reason or another, um, the program got dismantled. Really too bad. Yeah, I I went through the program near the end of it. Yeah. Um, and I think it's funny because a lot of the people you're mentioning, they left town before I was born. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. But, um, <laughs> so I, but I never, you know, I just never got the, the, the chance to meet so many of them. But we're cool. Uh, I used to tour, as you know, and play a lot with as you did. And, and uh, one of the, I think he was the second drummer and for a long time uh, drummer of the Calgary Jazz Orchestra was Greg Baker. And, and yeah. Greg would talk favorably of Ward Cole all the time, all the time, you know, like um, with a big smile on his face. And that's that that means a lot. Um, I, I have some professors that I had in music school that I that I don't talk of with a smile on my face. So um, <laughs> I joke. But but uh, but yeah, it was just it was interesting how everyone always really. Yeah, really seemed to look up to him, which is neat. Um, yeah. Did you learn a lot from Ward Cole? Like, did you? Uh, do any classes with him or lessons with him? I did. I did uh, a couple of jazz improv classes. I mean, I wasn't a music major. I was a science major. So I just uh, dabbled in it at university. And uh, yeah, but he was the real deal. He, you know, knew his theory cold. He had ears. He used to tell us uh, he was touring with Fred Waring in the Pennsylvania, sort of a big band orchestra and a choir. And uh, he had a round, a wind-up Victrola that he carry with him. He was also the arranger, first trumpet and arranger. And uh, the band leader would give him a 45 of whatever the, the hit of the day was and say, I want it tomorrow night for Philadelphia. And Ward would put his little wind-up Victrola on in his hotel room and pick out all the parts and write them all out. <laughs> That's cool. I mean, that would have yeah. been that would have been a cutting-edge toy at the time, you know, or tool, I should say. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, and of course, he was, you know... Uh, scary that way and with the band you know you know he'd stop the band and point to a guy saying he just played you know that was incorrect it's like wow he heard that that's amazing <laughs> oh that's cool um and then after that uh, so then we're going into the 80s and the 90s so yeah. uh, who, what bands did you play with because because you played with a lot of players I did. <laughs> got lucky, you know, just uh, got out with the right bunch of guys. And, um, you know, uh, in the 80s, Eric Friedenberg started his Saturday Pro Band. So not just your average bunch of Joes in a rehearsal band somewhere in the basement. These are the guys doing all the work in town. So that was pretty cool. That was like the kid that in the band. That was Head, uh, Hank Zambauer. Um, yeah. Who else was in it? Sandy, wasn't Sandy Barter in that before he left? Sandy Barter was in it. Uh, Dennis Collier was in it. Um, gosh, uh, lots of guys, Ian Clayton, um, Gary Sylvester played Barry for a while. Um, George Kohler played bass. You know who George Kohler is? He's, uh, yeah. like the main guy in Toronto and he would do these jaw dropping, you know, bass solos for five minutes. Everybody put their horns in their stands and just... He still does go like, holy moly. <laughs> I saw him, I saw George Kohler once with, um... I've never had the, the opportunity to play with him, but I've, I've met him a few times, and he was really nice, uh, which goes a long way with me, as you know. Um, but I saw him once with Holly Cole, and yeah. uh, and and uh, it was about a three or four. I can't remember what city it was in, um, but it was like a three or four thousand seat theater, and um, and he walked to the front of the stage and stole the show. <laughs> Did like a five minute solo bass. And yeah. and uh, I don't even want to uh, do it an injustice by trying to describe it. It was it was incredibly yeah. musical, 
um, fantastically technical and extremely entertaining. Like it was, um, and uh, I also saw him because he plays with the Shuffle Demons. I also saw him once. Um, That's right. I think the the night they they played the the cellar, uh, Corey Weed's old jazz club in Vancouver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the night before, and I was out early, so I got to go see them, and they were a ton of fun, and and great saxophone players. Oh my gosh! And then George Kohler, I watched him lift his upright bass behind his head and play all sorts of crazy fun kooky stuff and oh man he was he was he's super creative super yeah. creative yeah yeah actually uh, got to work with him and holly cole on uh christmas shows so oh cool that was uh, via bob day you know bob said oh, hey bob. got something coming up you want to do it it's like yeah <laughs> i just found uh a video i should probably put it up it's an old video of my eight-piece band and Bob was playing in it. And I think um, Paul Ashwell is on trombone. Uh, I, can't, I can't remember who the two saxophone players were. Rich Harding probably and, and Shane or, or Jerry. I can't recall, but, um, but I, just, I just found it on an old hard drive. And it was at yeah. the the Jubilee Auditorium, uh, not the Jubilee, the um, Jack Singer. And uh, there's, there's Bob. You know, there's Bob playing. And for everyone listening that uh, doesn't know Bob, they, uh, Bob has a, an incredible, he has an incredible legend uh, of being such an, again, sweetheart of a guy, uh, loved karate, loved the Stampeders, uh, loved football, and uh, was a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful trumpet player. And uh, I, I, yeah, and he passed a number of years ago now. About 11 years ago. About that, yeah. yeah. I gotta say, he's 60. one of my best friends. Yeah, he just turned sixty. Yeah, he just yeah. Turned 60. He was a major influence uh, getting me to play jazz. My first small group ever was uh, with Bob Day, a little quintet. Ah, uh, wow! And <laughs> what a uh, gift. the first tune we did was all blues. I was thinking, like, oh my god, I can't do this, and and Bob turned to Miles Jackson, who was doing keys and left hand bass, and he started the riff. Yeah, and we just played and it was easy all night <laughs> he'd uh, come over to my house and we'd do an Abersol just trading choruses and yeah <laughs> man great tune I, I can hear that man that's that's amazing and great guy like I I tried to study with Bob and mm -hmm. uh, I called him when I was in high school uh, because some of the, the the trumpet players in town were were recommending him, and uh, I I didn't I hadn't met him yet, and I was just a young you know a young sheepish man trying to figure out how to um, you know play. This was before yeah, it's a high school before I went to, to university, and I I called him, and he said his roster was full. He's teaching at the college, teaching at the jazz program, and yeah. he said his roster was full, and he wasn't taking students and. Um, and it's interesting because this has influenced me because um, I don't take many students. I just take a few usually at a time. And uh, as you know, but th that that made me some be always flexible with that because he, he, uh, he said that to me. And, of course, I just went, oh, okay. And then years later, I told him that because he had, of course, forgotten. I said, yeah, like I'd, I'd, and we were playing a gig somewhere. Um, and he said, uh, he said, well, why didn't you tell me you were serious? If you would have told me you were serious about it, then I would have taught you, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, I, 
so it's usually a question I have now. It's like, well, are you serious about this or do you just want, you know, and, uh, um, but yeah, I, I, so I, I didn't get the privilege of studying with him. Uh, I, I studied, as you know, with Al Muirhead, um, yeah. which was a, which, which, which is Al, Al would say that's a great consolation prize with Al, <laughs> but uh, of course was amazing for me, but. Um, yeah, well, I studied with Al just, you know, by osmosis over the years, standing yeah. beside him and same with Bob and, and, you know, privately Bob had studied with Carmine Caruso when Bob lived in Toronto, he'd fly down for the afternoon, get a lesson with Carmine and come back and play. <laughs> so I got it. You know, that's about as first hand as you can get right with uh, Carmine. So, yeah, I, um, I, I wish I studied with Carmine and I did some of the Crusoe stuff with Al, with Muir, with Al Muirhead when I was in university, but right. I was fortunate to study with uh, Lori Frank before she, yeah, of course. she passed it. I think she was 61. Um, Gosh, what a loss! Just yeah, maybe seven years ago now. Um, but uh, she was married to Carmine Crusoe. Yeah, yeah. And she was a great trumpet player, like great trumpet player. She played with Kenton. She played with Maria Schneider's orchestra. She played with everybody, you know. And, and nice lady and a great teacher, um, fabulous teacher. Just man, and I, I still do actually. Out of all the stuff and all the people I've studied with, I still do her stuff pretty much every day. Um, and and her so she was married to, to Carmine and and a lot of what she taught was based on his principles. So absolutely, I'm sure there's somebody out there who understands the connection better than I do. But uh, but yeah. yeah, yeah, wow. Well, Bob was Bob was amazing. He was a mist, and he was one of the uh, original trumpet players in the Calgary Jazz Orchestra too. Yeah, was, he was um, one of the original trumpet players in the Boss Brass. Yes, he was. That's right. Yeah. In Toronto. Um, he, I think the first, you were on the very first job, were you not? With the Starry the, Nights? Uh, before that, the before one with that. the beatnik. Uh, yes. Yeah, that was the first one was the beatnik. We did, uh, was uh, two, summer of 2004, and we, um, Jeremy, had been, I, I'd wanted to, to start the CGO for a long time, and Jeremy had been pushing me, and so I thought, great, let's do a weekend at the beatnik, and it was... Um, I have pictures. I have, to, I have to see if I can find them. I, I know I have some pictures that a friend of mine took that night. Um, you know, uh, but it was uh, Bob Day, um, myself, Al Muirhead, John Day, no relation, um, on trumpet, uh, Keith Smith on guitar, John De John DeWall on drums, John Hyde, I think, on bass originally. Oh, yeah. I worked a lot with John. In Eric's uh, small groups, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, John, John owned the scene, right? He was the bass player, right? He was the yes. Guy. Um, and uh, who, who were the trombone players? It was you then, Dave Reed. There was a, a gentleman named Brad who was a great player, and he he left town right after that. He's uh yeah, he's been yeah he lived in the states for a while. He mm. switched out of music entirely. I, I know who you're talking about. I can't remember his last name. Bra Park, Brad. Yeah, he'll come he went back on a mission someplace, I... and uh, and I think he lives in uh, the lower mainland now. Oh, okay, okay. Um, yeah. And then, so it was yeah, it was and Dave Reed was playing bass bone. You, Brad, and who was and, and Paul, Paul Ashwell. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That was a good section um, <laughs> for our first ever show. Uh, what what else can you tell us about the history of the jazz scene then over the last in this city over the last that's forty five years we're talking 
Wow, that's cool. It used to be a lot more plentiful. I mean, you know, I was working one or two nights a week, whether it be a little jazz thing or, uh, you know, a party band thing, you know, or Saturday afternoons. It's like, you know, is this ever going to end? And it, it didn't look like it would. And what seemed to, uh, and we'll probably see it this time around too, every time there's an interruption, this time it's a pandemic, but in previous decades, it's been the oil business or a contraction of the oil business or a recession and live music always suffers. Yeah. And then after it never quite recovers to pre-recession levels uh, and, you know, it's a matter of club owners saying, hey, I don't need you. You know, I, can, I, I get people in here no matter what uh, value added doesn't matter to me uh, or there's less clubs to play at. Or I was playing uh, two nights a week at the Calgary Petroleum Club. It was a three-owned section. Actually, Sandy Barter was the trumpet player. And we'd play with different groups, same contractor, but different groups every weekend. And in 1983, uh, Justin's father, Pierre Trudeau, uh, did something called the National Energy uh, Program. And after that, you could shoot a cannon through the petroleum club. So the managers just said, like, you guys are done. Like, we'll, we'll reconvene sometime in the future. And so every time that happens, you lose a bit of the audience through attrition or just a generation gap because you and I have both played gigs where people come up and go, this is amazing. It's live music. It's like, where, where else can we hear it? It's like, besides here tonight <laughs> but very fewer and fewer places you know it's, it's really too yeah. bad you uh, it becomes something you have to decide you're going to go do not just it just you don't stumble upon it like you used to yeah um the you're right but i think that that's our job as musicians then is to to change to pivot and to go pivot that's such a buzz phrase these days um yeah. But yeah, it's, it's true. We have to make the decision that we're going to do something that's interesting for people. So when they do come, they keep coming. Yeah. You know, we put I I I, uh, I as a as a as a as an artist and as a musician, as my vocation for my entire life, put the onus back on us. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Let's, let's do something that entertains people and brings value. And that's, to that's what's changed over those last years is you could just wait for the phone to ring as a side man and just, you know. Gigs are plentiful. It's true. That's really yeah. true. And um, th I think there's an, historically speaking, there's an ebb and flow to that too. Um, and maybe we're into the roaring 20s now. You know, I've said yeah. it before on this program, but uh, I'm hoping for, a, we'll see, a, for a post-pandemic renaissance for things artistic. Um, I know for myself, I, I've missed playing. I've missed people. And I've missed going to hear people. And to you know, finishing a job and then just popping into a club because I know so-and-so is playing with their such-and-such -such project yeah, absolutely. And, and checking it out and hearing them for a little bit or or having a night off and then we go, you know, see who's playing and go check them out. Or, um, uh, but I also, I, I really want to go to live theater. That's I've just, I'm craving it. Like I want to go see ATP and Theater Calgary and I... I love live theater and I love playing live theater. Yeah, me too. If in another world, um, I could have done that as a living. I think. Really? Love, I love, love it. I'm a big guy. It's like, I think. Oof. So my first one was uh, um, Alberta Theatre Projects, and they were located in Heritage Park at the Canmore Opera House. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, it was about 19, oh gosh, 1984-ish. They did a world premiere of a musical called Tom Foolery, the words and music of a guy named Tom Lair, who was a Harvard math professor, a genius. And he also wrote satire and played the piano and sang these just <laughs> wacky tunes. And they had done the, the show in England, in London, and they brought it to Calgary for a premiere. It's five-piece band, <laughs> piano, uh, upright bass, uh, drums, and then two hearts. And it was Eric Friedenberg and myself. And Eric played all his stuff. Mm-hmm. And I fell in love with his flute playing. And I wanted to be a flute player after that. You know, just I never got got it together for that. Um, but yeah, and trombone at the Canmore Opera House. We did about 10 or 12 weeks. And if you know anything about the Canmore Opera House, I mean, it's I think it's just there now. They probably do skits on stage. But when ATP had it, um, you know, it was a tiny but mighty venue. Mm-hmm. And sitting and watching the audience, um, when you go to this place, have a look. Um, so you're watching the audience. So stage left, back seat is always empty because the place is haunted and there's a phantom usher and they leave that seat empty for the phantom usher. And people have sworn at the end of a, a play that they somebody had been sitting next to them. <laughs> when nobody's allowed to sit in that seat. <laughs> oh, goodness. And, I, and, and you talk to the staff and they'd say, like, the last person out at night, it's spooky. <laughs> I've heard that story and I'd forgotten it. You know, I, I Heritage Park used to run a series, a music series and a jazz series at uh, at the Canmore Opera House um, yeah. that's that's moved to Heritage Park. Uh, and um, it's a fun venue. Uh, Heritage Park is a great place. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, so you, uh, what else? And so you've played with, because um, we've played together with the Ray Charles uh, Tribute Orchestra. Yeah. And we've played, what other groups have you played with that you can think of off the top of your head? Oh, gosh. I mean, lots of uh, party bands. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, through contractors, whether it was, you know, uh, Eric or Klaus Kratz, um, you know, uh, gosh, or uh, Tommy, um, like, like Rosemary Clooney, Bob Crosby, uh Harry Connick Jr., right after when Harry met Sally, uh, Eric Friedenberg called and said, hey, there's this guy named Harry Connick that's coming to Calgary, and, you know, he want to do his show. It's like, well, I don't know who he is. No one did at the time, right? But uh, Mark Shaman was his uh, MD, you know, and it was all like, you know, uh, L.A. charts, and it was like, wow. <laughs> Mark Shaman's <laughs> writing is incredible. Yeah, yeah, and you, you see him on credits all the time, right? Yeah. So, yeah. He... Um, now yeah. uh, Pat Bellavo was on that job too, with Harry I think Connick so, yeah. Jr. And and Pat tells a story because he he told me this. I, I unfortunately I just I, I was uh, I didn't have enough rings on my tree trunk to um to to be able to be there, um, but he he said that in the middle of it, uh, uh, Pat these are Pat's word words said that he started playing uh, playing piano uh, like a solo piano thing in the middle. And started, um, you know, he said he, he basically, you know, Pat, he just said he, he lit the room on fire. Like he was, he blew the roof off just playing piano by himself in front of the yeah. orchestra. And he's, Pat said he was there with his jaw agape. Um, um, I think catching flies was Pat's phrase, if I, <laughs> if I recall correctly. But Pat has a lot of phrases, as you know, so I can't remember them all. That's right. Yeah, he does. <laughs> he does. He's a, he's a character. So, 
uh, but something like that. And then he started he started hitting on two and four, hitting the the pedal. And then he he there was it was a brand new Steinway that um, that or Yamaha I can't recall. Anyway, some brand new you know nine foot concert <laughs> grand piano that the the Jubilee Auditorium um, had just just taken possession of. And uh, uh, you know and of course when when a piano player is coming in they were excited and, so, and I guess he just started hitting it so far and there's a stem as you know and, yeah. and and just in case anyone listening doesn't but there's a stem that comes down with the foot the piano foot pedals on it and he kicked it so hard um, when he was playing that it it cracked and there was this massive <laughs> and he kept playing it and then he eventually kicked it right off and it kind of slid out uh, off the back end of the piano and he looked down and he kept playing and he looked around and he you know just kept kept going and um and some uh stagehand came out you know all dressed in black and and grabs it and slides underneath and starts trying to reattach it while while he's still playing right and and then he kind of he kind of got up from the piano and said well i think i think i shouldn't play anymore or something like that I think this piano's had enough of me. Something, yeah. something I charming. I think my paycheck is now in net loss territory yeah. for paying for the broken piano. <laughs> oh, amazing. Um, yeah. yeah, we um, I had, like Diana Kroll, Holly Cole, mm-hmm. um, Katie Lang, um, mm-hmm. uh, Josh Groban. And I was out, uh, my son was old enough to stay home from holidays. So I had the rest of the group out in Tofino uh, surfing and uh just general water stuff out in on the ocean, and uh, cell reception was terrible. But Mark got a hold of me and said, "A contractor called and wants you to play. Wonders if you want to play with Josh Groban." And I, at the time, I said, "Who?" <laughs> and my yes. son said, uh, "Never mind. Just call him back and say yes." <laughs> just call so, him back and say he uh, he raises me up. He lifts yeah. me up. What's it? Yeah, yeah. I can't. It was, yeah, it was a good show. I mean. The, uh, the, He's a great singer. Yeah, and people were. It was a three horn section. We did uh, Calgary and Edmonton. And, uh, one of us has the picture. It's uh, Jim Murray and and uh, uh, Jim Brennan and I uh, were on the jumbotron in uh, at the Saddle Dome and at the the uh, Rexall Center. <laughs> oh, fun. Super yeah. fun. And, and he was a great guy. I mean the uh, the. Guy who was in charge of the band came out and said, "Okay, we've had some trouble on this tour. No eye contact with him. Don't try to say hi to him. Just, just like, just watch it." And he came out and he was just happy and, "Hi guys, like I'm Josh." It's like, <laughs> yeah. I had the I had the same thing once when I was um, working on a movie that no one's ever heard of and it was terrible, so I won't mention it. But, um, <laughs> there was a a comedian in it that's kind of a lesser known comedian. I won't say who because. I don't want to speak negative ever of anyone. Um, and then Bill Murray was in it, um, and w- w- whom I love. And uh, and so we got the same thing about both of those, right? Uh, except for Bill Murray was was just down to earth and lovely and hilarious and normal and and quirky and witty and everything you expect from him. Um, but the other person who I won't name um, uh, was was very. Very self. Oh yeah, very self focused. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah, was very interesting to watch. You know, um, I got um, to play with a comedian named Red Skelton a bunch of times. Really? Yeah, and uh, he'd come with a, an MD from uh, Los Angeles and put a. You know, they'd have a couple of players with them, 
and put a little mini orchestra together because Red Skelton did a lot of his skits to live music and that's what we were going to do. And uh, he was the nicest man. It's like, you know, he was, you know, everybody watched his show when I was a kid. It's like, wow, you know, I'm getting to play with this guy. And it was, he was down to earth. Hi, I'm Red Skelton. Hi, I'm Red Skelton. It's like, wow. <laughs> but, but a lot of the, there are so many, the ones that, there are so many extremely talented people that really are just nice people. And, and uh, I got to play with Frankie Valli and I got to, you know, we, like through the years, we just, like he was, he was so nice and he found out my dad uh, had been a super fan when he was cool. know, younger. And so he, he came out and gave me, signed a record for my dad and gave it to me after the, after the tour, right? And um, then there's others that, that I won't name, but they're, and, yeah. and it, it seems the ones that I've played, I've played with some that just, they lack talent, and, but they make up for it with ego. <laughs> um, and I won't name any of the names, but it's, yeah. I've had some incredible, uh, awkward experiences with, um, some very famous people. What do you have there? Oh, that's fantastic. That you played that with Al Muirhead, right? I did. Yeah. With Dizzy Gillespie. Dizzy Gillespie. I just did the calculation. Dizzy was uh, 66 years old and oh. super cool. And he did this whole thing. He was doing these Latin rhythms, kind of clapping and, and doing these offbeats. And none of us could figure out what he was doing, but it was so good. You know, he want, I wanted to sound like this, you know, and it was, we did Night in Tunisia, <laughs> featuring the bone section, doing the uh, right, right off the top. It's like, wow. <laughs> and I heard he was just super fun and nice. And He was super fun and nice. Yeah, Al played it. Of course, like, you know, the whole Saturday Pro Band, Eric and the group and, uh, wow, <laughs> it was wild. That's amazing. I mean, his his language as a as an improviser is one of my favorite uh, trumpet players. Like his small group stuff when he's playing bebop and he's playing even like medium swing. Like like I know nineteen years and a lot of the Latin stuff is very like manteca and stuff is very popular. And when we did uh, with the CJO when we did our Dizzy Gillespie night, we got all the arrangements from from his band and yeah. it was it was super fun and the music was amazing and. But it, when he plays a bebop line, I just melt. Like I just, I just melt when I hear it on record. And uh, John Faddis, um, who I've learned a lot from, and and I think he's an amazing trombone player. Uh, when I hear him play, he he'll 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 speak with Dizzy's language frequently. You know when he's playing and sure. And I okay, I have something to show you. Then I don't know if you knew this because I know you've been in the studio here before. Yes, but. This uh, this is from this is from uh, that gig, and there's a, a photographer in town um, that was working at the Herald at the time, and he was at that event and he took photos. And so this is this picture of Dizzy that that uh, you know it because it hangs yeah. on my studio wall yeah. for rehearsals and stuff. This was taken at that gig you played. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, it is very cool. Um, okay, so let's talk a little bit about um, let's talk about the Calgary Jazz Orchestra. Um, tell us about the Calgary Jazz Orchestra in your own words. Well, it's it's uh, it's been a super pleasure to play. It's uh, you know very musical, 
swings like crazy, you know, and, it, and music groups have to have a couple of elements, right? He's got to have good players, but, you know, but does everybody get along? Does the section get along? You know, is there any, you know, uh, you know, acrimony in the section, you know, any egos and the band as a whole, it's a bunch of nice guys. It's like, it's so much easier. <laughs> solid rhythm section, solid charts. It's like, ah, this is easy. <laughs> you know, it's just, that's the way it is. Tuning's good. It's just fun to play. It's, it's, it's nice when it all comes together like that. Yeah. Well, although, uh, uh, what's the, uh, What's the big production we did last spring, like two years ago? Do, 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 do. Oh, gosh. We did um, Wynton Marsalis' arrangement of of John Coltrane's A Love Supreme. Yes. That, that, was, uh, that was probably one of the hardest things I've ever worked <laughs> on. <up. laughs> do, you, do you know what... Uh, I sent the I, I way you know in advance I sent out because I knew I'd, I'd scheduled it in our season and I sent uh, the charts to everybody and I sent the um, you know the music out and uh, said you know go go listen to it you know buy a copy or listen to it on streaming or something and and um, do you know what Jerry said to me What are you thinking <laughs> That's it What do you th- What are you thinking We can't play this. <laughs> what are you thinking man Just, and uh but um man that was that was amazing i was amazed at how uh how hard everyone worked on that one that was uh, a lot of work with a metronome <laughs> yeah it was a that was um that was an emotional uh, experience that performance that was one of the the ones that um and it was interesting because you know, it, it's it's a pretty intense piece of music too. Uh, very very intense at, in many different ways at different times, and and uh, I wasn't quite sure how our audience would accept it. And I had people uh, coming up to me after, or coming up, you know, um, um, writing. Sorry, uh, coming up to me after the show, or writing me after, or even coming up after other concerts and saying um, how much they enjoyed it. And one person came up to me after with tears in her eyes and said that was unbelievable. They said yeah. that the hair on the back of their head was standing up and their chest was was pounding and their and I that's I think that's exactly why that music was written. It's to, to evoke that and it, and it works. <laughs> yeah, it really does. Uh, what an incredible. I mean, Love Supreme is one of my all time favorite records, um, and I actually really love the. Uh, uh, the Branford Marsalis recording he did live. Have you heard that one? I have. Uh, I mistakenly downloaded it, and I thought, where, where are all the rest of the band? It's like, <laughs> well, I mean, that, oh, oh, it's it's a small group. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good mistaken one to. Yeah, that was the other yeah. Marsalis that, uh, yeah. that not Winton, but yeah, Winton wrote it for the big band. But yeah, um, man. Oh, Gary Sylvester said, "Great memories, Brian." Hey, Gary, how are you? I hope you're doing well, man. Yeah. Um, gosh. So, um, what? Coming back to that, then, what? Tell, tell us. Um, tell us a favorite memory um, or story from the CJL. Oh gosh. Well, I think uh, 
Well, a favorite memory is our first, the church gig we did, Starry Night. Starry Nights, Starry Night. Starry Night, I think they called it, yeah. Yeah, that was great, you know. That was our second gig, and it was a seven-night run. uh, Yeah. For a, a... like a community thing they were that they hired us to do like where they just they sold tickets to the community i think yeah and we did, we a did concert it at, and, at the church out on uh lower spring bank road west side kings west side kings yeah. that was great great tunes that was just, fun yeah. <laughs> band sounded good brian yeah. buchanan was playing piano with us at that time i do remember that yeah yeah um we didn't have him play with us. I don't think he's played with us too much through the years because he's always been off touring or off doing other, having other musical adventures. Um, and they built uh, this really cool stage because there was a, I think actually uh, the trumpet player, Alistair Elliott was, uh, who's a friend of ours. He, um, he was working for them in some, like in some capacity. I don't know exactly what his role was, but he, he designed this um, incredible stage that that uh, you know we had the stage in front of the band, and then mm-hmm. it tiered up, which which you know we do frequently. But on the sides, they built staircases going up the sides, and so I could I could walk all around and move all around the staircases, and and have the play, have you players come up and move all around, and um, and uh, I remember I remember having a ton of fun that night. Um, that was a, that was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. I liked being in the studio with the band too. You know, yeah. we did a couple of, uh, week long studio things, which was, you know, was good for growth, you know, hearing yourself on playback all the time, you know, it changes so much, you know, yeah. you know, your perception of tone and attack and, and, you know, blend and, uh, you know, you know, you just, uh, your ears perk up and you pick up all the subtle nuances you can sometimes on a live stage or a really loud venue someplace, you know, where it's a uh, pedal to the metal. I hope, you know, what comes out, comes out. <laughs> it's, it's true. And our perception when we're playing like that, our perception is a lot of the time that what we're, our, our concept of sound, I think is what's coming out. That's our perception. You know, well, I, I hit the right notes and the rhythms and this is what I want to sound like. So I'm pretty sure that's how, and then you hear the recording and you go, Oh, <laughs> you know, that's the uh, new I'm I really sound like that. the other way. I always think I'm sounding like, you know, and then I, I hear the playback. It's like, is that me? It's like, wow, <laughs> good <laughs> on you, sound engineer. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, one headphone on you, you know, it's like, you know, you're, you know, it's kind of a dry, you know, environment sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, playing know, in the, the studio is hard. It's, um, it's, it's. We've started to. I'm. I'm supposed to uh, drop a plug here because I was. I was told to. But we've started to do um, uh, this thing called live from the studio, where we have small groups here, um, and we play. Um, we do it all through Zoom, and then we uh, broadcast that to um, uh, subscribers that that are that are just paying for the service, and they yeah. get to watch the concert, um, which is a recording session, and then they. Then we have it mixed, and the the recording, the album is sent to them directly. It's exclusive; it doesn't get released publicly. That kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's it's telling, and it's one song. It's uh, sorry, one one take per song too. So the that's intense, right? You don't you don't get the hey, uh, 
<laughs> if you can put your hand up in the middle and go, Johnny, I screwed up that that line, and I go, Ah, that's okay. Let's take it again. Yeah. So, um. So it's um, it's fun. Uh. I I wonder if, I mean, we need the budget for it, but I I'd wonder if um, because the CJO is is uh is a is part of that, um. But I wonder if the C if we will ever have the budget to do that with the entire CJO. That would be pretty interesting to do a one take. Yeah. Um, live off the floor recording session, but right, so it's like they used to do direct to disc at one time, you know. <laughs> Which like, uh, Boss Brass did a couple of those, and some of the LA bands did that. It's like talk about uh, pressure. <laughs> well, in those records, like um, um, for for the subscription service too. But uh, on uh, this Sunday and two two nights, I'm doing a Jazz 101 for people, and you know a lot of the the early direct to wax cylinder recordings and the hot fives and hot sevens are just one take straight to wax cylinder move on <laughs> and you listen to their playing and i i just uh, i have a student uh working on some of the lewis armstrong stuff from there right now and they they're i love it because he, he came back to me and he just goes wow this is really hard to play you know, this <laughs> lewis armstrong stuff from when he was 24 you know and i'm like yeah, yeah man it's uh, <laughs> It's uh, it's incredible. Um, anyway, um, where uh, uh, this is an important question. Where do people go to get tickets for uh, CJO concerts? I think they go online to yeah the website. And what's the website? <laughs> CJO.com. <laughs> no, I think that would probably be something else. Calgary Jazz Orchestra. Yeah, it's got to be CalgaryJazzOrchestra.com. Yeah. 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 Um, Always oh, just and, pick them up at the church. <laughs> yeah, the um. So the uh, and we are looking at starting in October. That was uh, there was a board meeting a couple nights ago, and so that's kind of fun to hear. But yeah, um, if we can't start in October, we're we're pretty sure we can start back with our Christmas show in December. But um, and we'll we'll. Yeah, it remains to be seen. I, I think uh, you know the opening in Alberta may be a little um, premature. Let's see. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But we, who knows, you know? Uh, I mean, so many of my friends and uh, they work in the States and play in the States. They're all open now. And, and, um, it seems to be, they seem to be fine. Like it, yeah. seems, it seems to be going well because there's so many vaccinations. But, um, okay. So can you grab your trombone there? Your, your king? Is that your favorite trombone? Well, actually, the Bach is mine. The Bach Main is your go to horn, yeah. Okay, is that the Bach? Yeah, it is. Okay. Um, Same one Bill Watchers plays, but I can't play it as well as he could. Well, but now why not? Actually, because uh, you took lessons from Bill Watchers, did you not? I did. Some of the so, best lessons of my life. So did he withhold um, some stuff from you? Is he was he holding back? <laughs> no, you know what? We'd be uh, we could, we'd spend all day together just playing stuff in his living room. He'd tell me stories. We'd put on another Abersol, Um and you know. Um, sometimes you just sit right in front of my bell, which is a little disconcerting. But uh, I told him one time, I said, I wish my friends could hear me here because he was just like, just picking me up, you know, two or three different levels, yeah. just, just imitating him and, you know, just feeding off his energy and his abilities and <laughs> just yeah. unbelievable. Who's your favorite trombone player? Gosh, I think it would be a toss-up between like Bill and uh, Carl Fontana and, and Frank Rosalino, who I got to see once in Banff, like 
the year before he uh, he passed away. He was uh, at the Banff Center. Really? He did a little concert. I think it was 1977 in the summer, like, you know, in the jazz series. Uh-huh. That's amazing. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, so uh, Carl Fontana, what's your favorite Carl Fontana records that people can check out? What's the best? Oh, I don't know. Uh, probably Heavyweights with... Uh, Bobby Shue? With Bobby Shue. <laughs> yeah, that's one of, I love that record. I have a, I have a, well, Bobby um, gave me that, gave me a copy of that when I was in, studied with him. Yeah. And then there's another one, I, um, the name escapes me, but it's uh, Carl Fontana, Jake Hanna, and Dave McKenna. It's Hanna Fontana with McKenna at the piano. <laughs> okay. That's cute. <laughs> and All it's right. great. Uh, yeah. And then he now, didn't do a lot of uh, his own albums, right? He just, was a sideman and everything all the time. Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, what about um, Rosalino? What What's a great album to check Rosalino out? Oh, geez. Uh, Fond Memories of Frank Rosalino. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and that's with that the, uh, it's with a, uh, a Dutch uh, big band and orchestra. Fantastic. I'm just going to write that one down because I haven't checked it out. Somebody annotated all the solos. Really? Lifted them. And, and they go on for pages and pages and pages and pages. And if you use it for an etude, it's like, it's, you can't do it. It's like, it's impossible. It's like what he was able to do. <laughs> Goodness. Um, what, uh, and then uh, who am I forgetting there? Oh, Bill Watrous. What's the Bill. Music? Oh, geez. Um, he's, oh, gosh. So many good ones. Probably Manhattan Wildlife Refuge. He was still living in New York. Man, Manhattan Wildlife Refuge. All right, I don't know that one either, so I'm, I'm writing these down so I can check them out. But uh, <laughs> one of the one of the great things about doing this show is I've gotten all these great um, album ideas from. I mean, how many years have have we played together? I think since I've been on the scene. Yeah, like um, I first met you, just you're just in university, I think. You've been on the front page of the Herald, like or the Herald, oh, you no. know, uh, what's happening kind of page entertainment page is like you know you know it didn't say young upstart underneath it, this punk up and coming you yeah. know, kid or whatever <laughs> yeah and you're like oh really who's this punk yeah yeah exactly goodness well sakes. at the time i thought because it was before social media that was the social media thought, <laughs> isn't this, that this kid really print clever. media was the social media like that's uh this kid's clever he's actually got himself in the newspaper that's good i don't know how i did that um <laughs> I don't know how I did that. Um, that's. Uh, what, do you remember our first first time we played together? Because I, I was it might trying have to been uh, with Prime Time. I think Dan Johnson oh. was still playing lead trumpet. Yeah, and I don't know. We yeah, were Prime playing Time rehearsals was. for sure, and maybe yeah. a little gig somewhere. I'm not sure. I did. I did about two years of of rehearsals every Monday with that group. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then probably about 1994, 95, I, we did a little band together, a small little big band. My little big band? Remember, yeah, I can't remember what it was. It would, have been, it would have been later than that, but yeah, I can't remember what it was either. I don't remember the 90, first time we played. 95, 96-ish, something like that. It might even been later because I was still in university at that time. I, don't, I think I started yeah. that group after university for me. My, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's fun. Because we've played a lot of shows together. My goodness. Um, yeah. Goodness, goodness. Um, okay, so uh, in two minutes or less, um, teach us how to play the trombone. 
blowing the small end always. Okay. <laughs> so the, it's it's uh, I sort of feel like Harry Potter ish. You know, it's like uh, how did you choose this thing, or did it choose you? <laughs> I think this thing chose me in the eighth grade. So uh, um, so trombones uh, just it's just an eight foot long uh, tube with a, a bell on the end <laughs> and a uh, very old instrument uh, originally was called the sack butt. And when I tell that to junior high kids, of course, it's uh, the titter runs through the crowd. <laughs> Why is that? I, I don't uh... <laughs> Yeah. You know, that age group. Um, so, yeah. So as in uh, all brass instruments, it all starts here. And, uh, I always highly encourage people to to do that first to see if they can buzz. Do you have? Are you on a desktop or a laptop right now? It's uh, my iPad. Okay, I don't know if I can change it on your iPad. It's 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 uh it's screwing with your sound a bit when you make a buzz. Oh, okay. Do you see a setting there? I, I is that better? I'll, I won't face the microphone. Yeah, face away from the mic. Maybe that'll help. We'll see. So it all starts there. So that's that's about it for trombone playing. Okay. So the air is king for everything, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I had a lesson with Bobby Shue and so you're buzzing here. Do the wedge, and then yeah, exactly. You yeah. Do that. You can basically play. So um, that's all there is to it, folks. That's all there is to it. There's seven slide positions and about a billion notes in each slide position. So okay. Can you demonstrate those for us? I can. So. They, they are in order of progression. Number one, two, down to three, and you got to watch it. Three is right here. Kind of the uh, hand brace is at the end of the bell. Four is basically the brace, the top of the fairing is at the end of the bell. And then five? Five we'll get to. So okay. teaching the trombone, you gotta go to from seven. So those ones are relatively straightforward. I don't want to knock anything over here. So at the end of the slide, there's a little bit of, uh, um, it's enlarged at the end. And it's actually got a technical name. Do you know what it is, Johnny? Uh, it's enlarged? <laughs> it's enlarged. Uh, call your so doctor. It's called, I, I, uh... it's called the stocking. As oh, in the stockings yeah, I, were I did know that. Goodness sakes. Right. So when you can see about the one inch or like, you know, a thumb width of the stocking, that's basically where seven is. And you don't teach that to a kid who's in the fifth grade. Because they can't, they can't they, reach they, it. <laughs> they have little T Rex arms and they can't reach it. So, <laughs> so that brings us to six. So, six is basically at the top edge of the stocking. Uh, there's a little bump, and you imagine, if you will, the um, slide hand brace is right over top of that, and that's basically where six is. That's where it resides. And five is between four and, and six. <laughs> so perfect. And it's about like like about there. And um, so you really uh, Ian McDougall's uh, 
Ian McDougall's way of finding the slide positions is, uh, he says, the tuning slides in your hand, sonny boy. <laughs> yeah, you have no excuse to be out of tune. No excuse. This is the no instrument excuse. that you could be perfectly in tune with. Mm-hmm. And I got to say that, uh, you know, playing with, uh, uh, with Jim Scott on my right and Dave Reed on my left for several years, it brought my sense of and where things are, like, you know, right. <laughs> it's like when you play with guys like that who have everything locked in all the time, it's like, and. Uh, There's nothing quite like the education uh, of, of experience and playing with people who are amazing at what they do beside you. There's nothing yeah. like that. And, and to keep an open mind about it at all times. There's always, always, always something you can learn. And I wish I could go back, you know, 30 or 40 years and tell the younger self, you know, a whole bunch of these little things that I've picked up along the way <laughs> that kind of learned through the school of hard knocks, right? <laughs> I think a lot of us feel like that about a lot of things. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's totally true. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been lucky to have... Uh, lessons with some really top LA studio dudes and uh, who play a ton. I mean, besides like Bill Watrous, you know, guys like uh, Alan Kaplan or Bob McChesney, Alan Kaplan especially would, uh, you know, I'd go down with a, an issue. It's like, Alan, it, th- this is happening. And they've, they've already dealt with that at some point in their career. They know exactly what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> and they'll give you a hint. It's like, I, I, think, you're, I think you're opening up. Oh, great. Thanks. What is that? <laughs> yeah, what do you mean? There, the, hi, James. He just said hi. Um, I, I once called uh, Bobby Shue for help because I was playing and I couldn't get, um, I think it was like, like anything above the staff on the trumpet was really just driving me nuts. So I was, and I was doing, I, I was really closing down, but yeah. I didn't know where I was doing it. Um, this was a, like a number of years ago, and I I had to to play high Z's every night, you know, um, for for a lot of the work I was doing at the time. And so you just you, you do whatever you think you need to do on the job, and it was a Bob uh, Stroopism. He says in the studio you practice everything, relaxed, mindful, proper air. On the gig you do whatever you have to do to get the note. Yeah, and and the <laughs> problem with that, of course, is then it creates a lot of bad habits if you if you don't check yourself. So it does. I created some really bad habits, and and I, I remember I, I got on uh, Skype with Bobby, and um, I got about two hours of uh, stories. Before we yes. even talked about it, which was awesome, you know. Yes, and, uh, yes. Been there, and he's, like, he's like, okay, so what's your problem? I'm like, well, I only get one. Um, but uh, uh, I said, well, I'm, you know, blah, blah. And he said, yep, just play, play me a, you know, a scale. And then I was getting really pinchy. And he goes, Oh, yeah, you're doing exactly this, this, this. So do this, this, this. Think of these things. Thought about it for a sec. Okay. And it was just kind of easy. Yeah, that was better. It's hard to pick up a cold horn, as you know. Yeah, yeah. At least at least a couple notes to warm up. But it was, uh, you know, it's... um. 
And that's one of the things, I mean, that's one of the things that's, uh, uh, I think, a hallmark of a great teacher is they they see what you're doing. And a lot of the times they see what you're doing because they've made that mistake. You know? They've done it. Exactly. And, and they, uh, you they know, had someone else teach them how to get out of it or they figured it out. Yeah. Or when your chops are, are working great. Have you ever had the experience of looking in the mirror going like, okay, is, is it my, my mouthpiece placement? Like what, what's going on here? Why is it so easy today? And it wasn't easy three days ago, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, how does my body is, feel? Is it my breathing? Is it my posture? Is mm-hmm. it, you know, the tilt of my head another five degrees? It, what is it? Yeah, as you know, uh, um, splaying the legs is is aggressive, and then the moment you go parallel, the the your bottom the bottom half of your body just goes relax, and then suddenly it's easier to play, and your resonance goes up, and it's easier sure. to play in tune, like sure. things like that 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 nobody taught. You know, uh, it just it wasn't wasn't taught to. Uh, wasn't taught to me and, and you and i talked about that specific thing once we have um, and diaphragm breathing in the wedge and uh mm-hmm. you know whenever i teach kids it's like you know your teachers have, have talked to you about breathing what are they saying what, what do they mean and it's like <laughs> so I, yeah. I think this is what they're after and we all know like you know that the legs splayed you know the posture you know the the you know the the deep belly breathing and uh the wedge, if you do that at all, and totally, I usually yeah. say, "When what do they tell you?" Oh, they tell you they tell me to use more air. Okay, well, this is what they mean by <laughs> use more air. It's usually not more air; it's just consistent air, and sometimes it's more air. But just here's how we use it more efficiently. That's really what we're after, right? Especially when they say, "Well, how do you how do you how do they say play?" You know, you know, they always want me to play higher. They always want young kids to play higher. Um, they say, well, just use more air. I'm like, well, it's not, it's actually less air to play in the upper register. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's physics. And I love the, and Bobby, Bobby Shue is the best to talk about this because, because he'll drop a lot of, of, uh, hilarious expletives, um, and, uh, and sayings talking about, about that. You know, he's like, it's physics. He goes, you can argue with me if you want about your stupid politics, but you can't argue with me over physics. You know, like he's, um. Uh, he, with your science well, background, you'd like that, I think. But yeah, he's a well thought out guy. Yeah, he really is. Talk, talk. I got a story about uh, range. Mm-hmm. It's uh, <laughs> so th- there's a, a show that occurs every August called the Oilman Show, mm-hmm. and it's uh, been going on in Calgary probably since uh, you know the Second World War, post war, and uh, it's a big party. It's either in Calgary, well, it's usually northern Alberta, southern Alberta. So it's either in Banff or it's at uh, in uh, in Jasper, and uh, you know in years past it would be you know Bing Crosby and Bob Hope would be the entertainers and and uh, I did it for you know a long time. <laughs> this is probably about ten or fifteen years ago. We we're in Jasper, Jasper Park Lodge, August. It's hot. There's no air conditioning in uh, national parks. It's forbidden. So um, and uh, the band is and, and there's two horns there's actually three horns but only two required for this tune and we're doing an elvis impersonator from vancouver he's a great elvis impersonator and he's going from decade to decade to decade and doing a costume change behind us behind this little curtain does that include a suit that gets bigger no he didn't well he was actually a pretty big guy it's part of the story oh okay 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 so uh, I can't remember if he's changing out of the leather jumpsuit into the white suit or vice versa. 
So it's a hot day. It's Jasper. And the tune is Viva Las Vegas. So Kim Beecham and I are vamping on. Kim Beecham, the great trumpet player. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, great trumpet player. And and during rehearsal, he said, you probably have to vamp on it for about 30 seconds, and I'll be out. So we vamp on it for about three minutes. And, you know, we're starting to quiver. <laughs> so Kim says, let's take it down an octave. So we took it down an octave. Then we can hear some rustling behind us and behind the curtain, because he's stuck. He's sweaty, and he can't get in or out of his suit. Oh, no. So we hear some rustling. It's like, okay, take it up an octave. Couple minutes more of that. No, he's still stuck. Let's take it down. Let's save our chops. And, and so, for everyone listening, what's happening to the to the to, to Kim, uh, who is a f- former member of the CJ as well and a good friend of both of ours, and 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 to you, it, the, it's it's basically like doing bicep curls and not stopping. But now That's you're right. on stage, and they have to look perfect, and they have, and so these corners here, and and then you're, and so you you start to tense your back. And your neck frequently, your head comes forward, you know, and the tension grows. And then you're, you're, you, you tense your legs and your buttocks and you start to just, I just need to hit the notes. I just need to keep hitting the right. This is what's going on. At your, yeah, yeah. Okay. And it's just, it's like the, all the ATP is used up and all the mitochondria on your face, the, the muscles are, are in anaerobic, uh, you know, metabolism. And yeah. it's, uh, you know, <laughs> anyway, it was, uh, it, it took a while. We laughed at about that for years. It's like, you remember that show in Jasper with that guy and the high range stuff. It's like, but you have to do it. So yeah. <laughs> oh man, did he ever make it out? He did. And the crazy part about that for people listening, if you if you don't know or don't play a brass instrument, that makes it almost impossible to play the rest of the show. Like you you, you need to rest, let the blood come in, get some oxygen in there, flutter. Yes. So you guys were probably back there while he's doing his shtick. Any any chance you get going, exactly. Know, trying to drink some water, get the inflammation down. Exactly. Um, it's like uh, this is uh, the we're halfway through his show. <laughs> we got oh, the rest of his show to play. <laughs> and you've got heavy hitting power stuff coming up. Yeah. Goodness gracious. <laughs> um, okay. What are three super important tips to playing the trombone well in three minutes or less? All right. Uh, first one is uh, total relaxation, Absolutely. I think. Just be mindful and relaxed and a little bit detached. Can I ask a Just, question for you personally about that? Because I know you, you are a big um, um, believer and, and, uh, and what's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, I, I, I can't learn spoke good now. Um, <laughs> But you you are a practitioner, I should say. That's the word I'm looking for of yoga. Yoga, yeah. And and how did how do you feel that that affects your body then when it comes to re- uh, relaxation? Absolutely, it's uh, it's just uh, being in the moment and uh, not letting your emotions carry you away. I mean, um, you could do uh, a one minute meditation even on stage, and just uh, and and it's completely from yoga, and it's yoga breathing, which is what we do as brass players. 100%. But sometimes in the heat of the moment, you're not doing that. <laughs> but if you remember to do that, even three large breaths, right into from your the bottom, belly. Yeah. into your into belly, your belly. Yeah. Uh, that's it. Heart rate goes down, and then you're more in the moment, more in touch with your instrument. Of course, uh, you got to do a lot of practicing and the right kind of practicing, uh, you know, 
And that's changed for me over the years too. Uh, what I do, I still do a routine, but it's not exactly the same routine anymore. It's more varied. I've learned things from other guys and, and depending on what I need that day, mm-hmm. um, uh, definitely every day work with a metronome for some part of it. Definitely do some of your exercises with a metronome and a tuner as well. But tuner doesn't work when you're working with other guys because of just the way the, the chords line up, right? <laughs> it's yeah. like I'm playing an A and it's in tune according to my tuner, but it, is it acting as a third, a minor third, or is it, you know, is it the seventh? <laughs> right. And, yeah. and, and, uh, uh, okay, so relaxation. Yeah. And tuning. Tuning. Practice and techniques, like just, practice. just basics. But yeah. Time, tuning. Time, tuning, getting your chops Home. together. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like, funny because you know, that's exactly what, uh, uh, you know, asking Cody, what are the, the most important things for playing bass? Time, tuning, tone. Yeah. And in time, uh, I had to say to him, like, but in time, can we include groove? And he, oh, you know, yeah. And a bass player, and he's like, yes, yes. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. It's, yeah. But just it's for not like just like being. Exercise. It's amazing how if you're even doing long tones or, you know, some flexibilities, you know, <laughs> a metronome makes you honest, right? So, yeah, I saw a master class with uh, Bill Reichenbach and Mike Davis at University of Toronto, and uh, somebody asked them, "It's like, you know, what do you, what should we be doing every day?" And Bill Reichenbach said, "Work with a metronome and a tuner every day." He, and at their level, they're recording guys in New York and LA, respectively. They said, "I wish some of our other guys that we work with every day did that. It would make wow. it so much easier." Wow! <laughs> so if they're saying it at that level. Uh, I'm taking it to heart at my level, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, what are your hobbies? Who's Brian Wally? What do you like to do? Well, yoga? I do yoga. Well, I haven't done it in a studio for a long time. Of course. Um, um, I'm an endurance kind of guy, so <laughs> trombone <laughs> and uh, cycling. Uh, I love cycling. So and you have a cycling thing coming up. Uh, I do. It's, uh, it's called the uh, Grand Fondo. And... Uh, it's the Axel Merckx Grand Fondo. Axel Merckx, you say, who is Axel Merckx? His father, Eddie Merckx, was the first uh, non-Frenchman to win the Tour de France. Oh, wow. uh, Eddie Merckx was uh, from Belgium, and for about eight years, he dominated uh, international bike racing uh, like, and is considered to be the, the best bike racer ever. All bike racers, including, you know, people today in the Tour de France. Eddie Merckx was the best. His son, Axel, lives in Kelowna. <laughs> oh, wow. When, when was that? When when did he win those eight? Eddie was uh, like in the 60s. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. Um, and how, how far is your race? Um, you get uh, three choices, like 80 kilometers, 115, and 160. And what are you doing? I'm tending towards the middle one, maybe the lower one. Okay, okay. okay. <laughs> and that's every day for That's a long days. time in the saddle. Yeah, it is. My birthday's coming up, and I always uh, um, do my mileage, uh, my years in mileage on my birthday. So that's I do a birthday ride. So it's going to get harder. When I get Al's age, that's going to get, you know, like 84, 84 kilometers on my birthday. That's going to be uh, – I thought of making it more interesting, too, because this year it's going to be 63. So do I flip a coin, and it's like heads, it's 63 miles, and tails is 63 kilometers. I thought of doing that. 
<laughs> I think it should just be miles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like about 100 kilometers, isn't it? Yeah. Now, I, I, uh, um, Maybe we can go mountain biking sometime. Do you have a mountain bike? Are you, will you go play in the uh, mountains? It's not a real mountain bike. It's sort of like a semi-off-road bike. But Okay. And do you have a motorbike? Because we could go motorbiking. I don't. I've often uh, thought I'd probably like it. I've never done it. And I thought I'd probably take it like to a duck to water. I tried surfing. It's like, wow. <laughs> this is pretty cool. I, I took the surfing like a duck to water, except for I sucked. <laughs> Other than that, it was exactly like a duck to water. Um uh, motorbiking is a lot of fun. We should do that. Um, we should get you a bike. Yeah. yeah I like anybody... driving. That was fun. I think it was yeah. your Subaru. Um... <laughs> My, that STI, the Osama. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've had a bunch of them. That was, um, I was driving spiritedly. You were. Um, I was. Uh, I'm... I think if you uh, found that car now, you'd still find my my fingers that where I was gripping the dashboard. <laughs> oh man, just dug in. Oh gosh. Uh, I'm, I'm should be started racing again soon when things open up. Uh, my new race car's done. I've been away from it a little while. The music, uh, uh work, uh, you know, career took, yeah. took center stage, uh, as it were for, for quite a while. But, um, definitely one of the things I've been thinking about over the pandemic too is, um, you know, when, when it's you know 15 16 months now however long it's been with no performing and no um uh i'm i'm not going to perform as much as i used to and i'm not going to work as hard as i used to um and uh because uh, i want to go do things like that um and when yeah, i first started racing life, I was, it's balance in your life you know <laughs> yeah and that's a hard that's always been a hard thing for me um that's been a hard thing for me to learn so this has forced me to learn that it's been good for me yeah i miss uh, i mean you're talking about uh, 15 months of pandemic i didn't realize until this all started that since i was a kid most of my um circle of friends a good many of them are musicians absolutely you know that you'd see them on a regular basis semi-regular basis once yeah. a week, once a month, you know, a couple times in a row, you know, it's just, you know, we're together all the time joking and uh, catching up. And, you know, it's like, you know, <laughs> we all speak the same language, you know, and it's, it's like, true. Um, yeah, it's absolutely true. Um, can you, uh, can you grab your horn there? Is that the Bach? You have it it is. There? Okay. Play me a chorus on a blues. Sure. Awesome. <laughs> I'm going to write a bunch of those for you coming up, man. That's, um, (laughs) 
can't wait to get back to playing you know Goodness yeah no sense. kidding okay so uh thanks for coming tonight brian we're going to do a series of questions at the end now to uh, to to send you off um if uh, anybody is interested they can find on my website or on patreon the subscription service live from the studio we're doing our next um our next uh thing is i think in two weeks or three weeks with rich harding on sax and um, John Day and Cody Hutchinson and Jim Johnston and we're doing uh, all Disney music as jazz which we've done with the big band and I think yeah. it's going to be programmed in next year because I it's a lot of fun um, and uh, and Sunday night I'm doing a uh, history of jazz thing on zoom um, just on zoom not on Facebook anything just uh, just just private um, and the Calgary Jazz Orchestra, you can join the email list at uh, calgaryjazzorchestra.com uh, and you can pick up your tickets there. And season tickets, I'm told, will be going on sale in the next two to four weeks. Everything's kind of so weird um, the way it is. But um, um, okay, so all that's out of the way. Uh, answer these questions as quickly and honestly as you can. Okay. <laughs> Number one, is cereal soup? No. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> it's not warm. Neither is vichyssoise. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> they both have things floating in liquid. That's, that, there you go. <laughs> um, what is the world's least sexy name? Gosh. Uh, I think uh, with uh, the 45th president of the U.S., I think Donald is uh, oh. probably down there right now. But, oh, uh, political. <laughs> um, very good. Now, if you could start a secret conspiracy, what would it be? <laughs> uh, gosh. <laughs> Let's see. There's a, I've seen conspiracies having to do with magnetism, anti-vax people. Um Got to start a new one. Got to start a new one. Brand new. Uh, trombone players are part of an international conspiracy of, of, uh, hmm, can't think of it. Of musicians? Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay. Um, uh, what is the password for your Wi-Fi? Yes. 
<laughs> what is your most useless skill? Oh, goodness. Uh, juggling. <laughs> Maybe we'll use it in a show at some time. I didn't know you juggled. We'll, um, um, we'll, we'll have to do that. Uh, we can have the whole band go. It's a little known fact. That's called uh, Entry March of the Gladiators. Is it actually? Because yeah. it does not sound like gladiators are coming PT, in. I know. It's P.T. Barton, right? Yeah. <laughs> it is, yeah. Imagine a guy, you know, juggling three plates on sticks, right? Yeah. Yeah. Very. I. I imagine, but I imagine it in a Dr. Zeus way because that was kind of – I grew up just seeing that in Dr. Zeus. Right. Okay. What's the funniest joke you know by heart? <laughs> I can't tell it on uh, probably uh, – uh, Okay. What's public? the second funniest joke we know? <laughs> I can't think of uh, something bubbling up right this second. Okay. Yeah. What is something that everybody looks stupid doing? <laughs> uh, yeah. Too many things. Answering questions that they don't know the answer to would be... <laughs> okay. Good. I'll give you that one. Um, 30 years from now, what will people be nostalgic for? Uh, <laughs> uh, cell phones. <laughs> so, <laughs> they're going to disappear. They're going to be gone. Oh, it'll be a chip implanted in your eyeball somehow, right? Oh, so. gosh. Cannot wait for that. Could you imagine uh, us as old, like old old men getting, the, well, in my day we had, the, we carried our cell phones and I don't remember anyone complaining. <laughs> I think, well, speaking of old guys, it just, uh, you know how the weird the mind works with dredging up. Uh, memory so the joke would be i want to die peacefully in my sleep just like my grandfather not screaming in terror like the three passengers in his car oh, <laughs> oh terrible <laughs> oh it's terrible okay um what are uh no 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 this is better how many chickens would it take to kill an elephant one you just have to choke on it Oh, okay. Wow, that's um, that's pretty creative. Um, watch out for chicken bones, people. This is a public service announcement. Um, okay, last. What are the unwritten rules of working with the Calgary Jazz Orchestra? Unwritten, unwritten rules. Unwritten. Well, there's there's spoken rules. <laughs> One is <laughs> swing like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, come down front for your solo. Yeah. Uh, underplay the dynamics. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, have fun. Yeah, well, absolutely. That's, 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 not, that's, that's an unwritten rule, but it's, it's a spoken rule. It's not sure. written, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty aggressive about that one. Is and, there anything and, unwritten? And, well, and the, the, one, the main thing is like, have fun. Yeah. You know, people come to see us and say, you guys look like you're having fun. We are. <laughs> we are. <laughs> I remember talking to a, to a musician once uh, when he came to play with us, and uh, I, I, you know, I won't say who here, but but uh, just because I don't know if he'd want this story shared, but uh, not that it's bad or anything, but um, he said, you know, I never really understood that music was supposed to be fun. Really? Yeah, and because when you think of of how music is taught in in a lot of schools and a lot of it's a very pressure cooker system and sure. uh and you feel like you're you feel i mean 
the movie Whiplash um, about the, the jazz drummer and the big band, it, it's so over the top um, that, that people were upset about that. But I, but I think that the thing that made that really neat was that it feels like you're in that kind of a pressure cooker when you're in it. So I, uh, I always thought that, that I always thought that that was a, a neat way to portray it because you feel like you're in that pressure cooker and like your whole life is going to come apart if you miss that one note on stage. And that's not fun. And that to me, when I listen to Louis Armstrong and the hot fives, hot sevens recordings, he's having fun. And when I listen to bird and Diz in their, in their recordings, like that recording of bloom Dito, they're having fun. And Clifford yeah. Brown is having fun playing Cherokee. Like even miles Davis, you know, <laughs> you could say he's having he's having fun being Miles Davis. You know, he's he's being creative and in the moment he's being himself and he's being okay. Maybe Absolutely. maybe he wasn't having fun the way I think of it, but um, he was having fun in between driving his Lamborghini to gigs and such. I'm sure. So absolutely. Um, but uh, yeah, is there anything else we didn't talk about that we should? I don't know. We covered a lot of ground. Yeah, we sure did. We did. Yeah. It's, it's nice to see you, Brian. Nice to, to, yeah, to chat with you, man. It's been too long. Goodness. Yeah. Even though we try to keep up, it's you know, it's not the same and we'll be out playing again soon, I'm sure. Yeah. We'll playing with Looking the, forward to it. The little big band, my little my eight piece and the uh, Calgary Jazz Orchestra and um Ray Charles Tribute Orchestra and the um uh whatever else comes up. Gosh, we we've done so many things through the years. Um yeah. and I think we're going to have a um a reading session. Uh you know, out uh, out front, maybe in my place or, or somewhere outside, and we'll just have a reading yeah. session. We'll play a bunch of music with the with the CJO. Yeah, perfect. I was just thinking of uh, highlights of CJO. It was the the little band at Comic Con with the uh, Star Trek Enterprise people on stage. That was pretty yeah, cool. With uh, Patrick Patrick Stewart, Stewart. And Brent Spiner, who came oh, over and said, "All right, boys, we're going to try to wrap this up soon, so you can get off stage." It's like. You know, at the end, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh gosh, I didn't even know that. Um, I didn't know he. I didn't know he came over and said that. Yeah, he came over and then said, "Look, you know, I know this is dragging on. You guys are sitting here." So, <laughs> was that in the middle of the of the panel? He said that. Yeah. Oh man, that is fun. If he did, I hear it. Because I've, yeah. I've forgotten entirely. I know he gave me flowers, and that was <laughs> Patrick Stewart gave me flowers. I'm like, that is cool. He was. I loved that show when I was a kid, and they, those guys are all heroes of mine. Yeah. Um, it was an honor to be able to. We that was their their the first time they'd been together in 25 years. Their 25 year reunion from that. Yeah. And uh, um, and uh, Brent Spiner, what an incredible actor. He he loved it. Uh, I got a huge hug from him and Jonathan Frakes. See, when I was a kid, was, I was a trombonist, right? He is, and I I would I would listen to him on that show when I was a little kid, and I'd see that, and I'd see the jazz that was in in that popular science fiction TV show and there, he's playing jazz trombone. And I mean, that, that was cool. I was like, Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. See, I can, I can do this. I can be a trumpet player, you know, like, and, um, it's, uh, I tried to, I, I don't know if I told you this, but I tried to get him to play trombone with us. And, uh, on that night, and yeah, we he, talked about that. Yeah. Yeah. And he wouldn't, he said, you know, he said he hadn't played in forever. And, um, I tried to get Patrick Stewart and Brent Spiner cause Brent Spiner put out a record called, hmm. um, Old Yellow Eyes is back, I think it was called, and, uh, and he did a record of kind of like Sinatra crooning. Sinatra esque stuff. Yeah, and it was kind of like like uh, he has a really good uh, 
musical theater like show voice but he he was he was uh anyway i was trying to get them to and after uh um i can't remember if patrick stewart said he he wished he did brent said he was like oh i wish i i wish i would have just come and sang a tune i'm like yeah like no stress just sing like there's no you know but yeah that was really fun gosh um what do we say here rob leonard says hey brian sounding great um also quick question who has cut your hair in the last 15 months who has cut my hair? Who has cut you? Have you gotten a haircut in the last 15 months? I have. I have. Yeah. Rob, one I thing you need to know about Brian. Yeah, if he doesn't get a haircut every two weeks, uh, he looks like Cousin It from the Adams Family. Exactly. I look like a sheepdog. And I, and I bump <laughs> in the doors and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, and Norm said, oh, oh, shoot. That must have been some conversation. You were saying, uh, he said, I need to know what this, this, and this are. But then he said, thanks. So I guess we you must have answered it somewhere in there. Hmm. I don't know. Do you like my pen? It's <laughs> cool, right? <laughs> thanks for joining me, Brian. Um, thanks, hey, everyone, thanks, for, for tuning in uh, live. Uh, I see a lot of people. Have, tuning uh, in? <laughs> uh, yeah, that was subtle. That was subtle. That was good. That was, you better be practicing. Um, it was a subtle drop and uh and everyone checking us out uh afterwards on podcast or on youtube um these haven't been gone up yet but they will be going up soon for those uh that want to share them and um yeah thanks and we'll see you guys Take care. Uh, see everybody else next time <laughs>